Okay, so AODIC, A-O-D-E-C. That is an acronym that we talked about a little bit last week, but I want to dive into each one of these points very specifically, not the way you do it typically with your clients, but the way that we can apply those same concepts to the idea of building and owning your personal brand mm. and doing it in a way that you can be proud of that will project you forward but that will be truly based on a non-fiction version of who you are what you do and how you do it again i'm i'm speaking with afra smith who if you listen to last week's episode you know is doing tremendous work with her business the melanin project which helps people especially women and people of color develop financial wellness if you are financially unwell it affects every aspect of your life, every relationship you have, both professionally and personal. But if you are financially well, you are well on your way to whatever you want, whatever your dream happens to be. So I know that you probably preach that in all over the place, but I want to take your aotic concept set apart one at a time and apply them toward the concept of personal branding. So the first one, which is acknowledge. Can you talk us through what you mean by acknowledge? Yeah, so, you know, acknowledge that you have an issue. That's the first step to healing anything, right? You have to first acknowledge that there is some kind of problem and that you actually need the help. And in order to get through something, you have to open up to somebody. You don't have to open up to the world, but you have to tell somebody that there's a problem because that is the only way that you're going to get the knowledge that you need. We know the knowledge is the power. But in my mind, this mindset approach, this is the hardest step in AOD. This was the hardest for me, and it's the hardest for most of my clients. Because even when they're in the session with me, they know my story. They are still uncomfortable. And there's this, this thing that we have, I don't know if it's a societal-based norm or the way that we grow up, that money is this thing that we should keep hidden, right? And it's the one thing that we don't want to share, but it's the one thing that we all spend and so why do we have such an issue with saying, hey, I have a financial issue. I need help, considering that the person next to you is likely broke uh, and doing the same things that you're doing. We just don't talk about it enough. And so acknowledging the problem opens up for a sense of community to be able to say, I had the same issue. This is what I did. And this is who I went to for help. Yeah, well, I'm going to take that word acknowledge and apply it directly to the necessity, from my point of view, to personally brand yourself which is you need to acknowledge that you aren't getting the job you want because people don't know who you are or how good you are, or maybe that you have not, to use your second word, owned everything that is yours to own, which is someone took credit for my project and now all of a sudden they look fantastic and mm -hmm. no one realizes that actually I did all the work and because I'm naturally a little shy or hesitant and reticent, I'm just not going to say anything. Huge mistake. Mm. If it's yours, own it. And don't be ashamed of that. I know that you're a native of Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm located right outside Madison in Sun Prairie. We're from the upper Midwest, you know, uh, and one of the things upper Midwest people do is we keep our mouths shut, our heads down, and work, 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 mm -hmm. work until we die. And what a mistake that is. Yes. So the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that that is, in fact, a mistake that we make as human beings, especially those of us who like our deeds to prove who we are more than our mouths. 
Yeah. Well, sometimes your mouth has to take credit for your deeds. So I, I, love, I love that concept of acknowledge. Let's all acknowledge we have a personal branding problem in that we don't have a personal brand. You know, you're building your personal brand. Like we have not talked, even though we're in the state of Wisconsin, we have not talked about the Green Bay Packers. We have not talked about the Wisconsin Badgers, the local university's big football team, Big Ten football team. We haven't talked about the weather. Why? Because we're in Wisconsin, we're suffering together. It's freezing out right now, I'll tell you that much. But we, we're not talking about these things because they're not in your personal brand set of things to talk about. They're not part of your niche. They're not part of my niche. What we are talking about is my niche, personal branding and taking credit for who you are, what you do and how you do it. And we're talking about your niche, which is building financial literacy and financial wellness with people who desperately need it. Guess what? We can talk about that stuff all day long and not talk about the stuff that takes us off topic, which kind of gets us a little bit to your D concept, which is developed selective hearing. I want to talk about that in depth because I need to hear more about developing selective hearing. What do you mean by that? It's constant. This is one of those constant things, even today in life, where people will tell you things. And I will tell you how I got caught up in payday loans is I was down in Texas. I was living in Dallas, Fort Worth for a while. And a close friend of mine said, hey, you know, did you know you can go get payday loan and not pay them back? And I said, OK, where do they do that at? Again, being financially literate, not having an understanding. I just listened to that. And I just took that for whatever it was. And so that's my analogy for not everyone around you is educated and is going to offer you what you need in the moment. You got to understand what your personal journey is and the goals that you set forth. And you have to be weary of the naysayers who are going to come in and offer a critique. And that critique is not for you. That critique may be based on their fear and where they are and what they can't do. So you have to make sure that you stay focused, you stay disciplined on whatever goals it is that you've established for yourself related to your financial health. And the minute you hear Let's take the trip. And I heard it. You know, let's take the trip. You can pay that back later. You have the money. You can do it. You know, that that was also an indication that I was on the right journey and that people were noticing my evolution because I refused to take that trip. I refused to maybe meet friends for dinner. I actually lost some friends along this journey because I wasn't willing to give up what I needed to do to be successful. And so I just tune people out. This is not their journey. This is my journey. And I'm owning everything that I said I needed to own. And a part of that is, you know what? I appreciate the feedback. Thank you. And it's just literally in one ear and out the other. But who I will listen to is a financial person who is already taking the steps. I'm following those same steps. I'm seeing positive changes that are happening in my life uh, and the people that are now in my life. And so I just made a decision that this was always going to be a part of my life. And that's that emotional dry in that you get from friends and family who mean well, but they don't understand because they're not on the journey. They're not on the walk with you. And so you have to be very careful because this will actually throw you off your path. That is so true. Developing selective hearing is a great way to talk about something that a lot of people talk about, especially in kind of the world I live in, which is imposter syndrome. I feel like I don't deserve to be here. I'm not as smart. I'm not as good. I'm not as witty. I'm not as brilliant. I'm not as, I, I, I'm just not as capable. Well, guess what? Who doesn't feel that way? Psychopaths and sociopaths. That's it. Everybody else. 
feels that way. They look around the room and go, I shouldn't be in this room. But let's face it, everybody in the room is saying the same thing. And, you know, it used to be the old thing, if you're a public speaker and you're afraid of public speaking, just imagine everybody in your audience wearing just their underwear. I'm like, nah, that doesn't work for me. But I will say, just imagine everybody around you is, is saying the same thing right now to themselves that you're saying to yourself. Wow, they know more than me. Wow, they're better than me. Wow, I, I, I don't think I should be even in this room. Well, here's the thing. If you truly believe they're better than you, you have an opportunity to learn from them. If you need to listen more deeply because you're a little bit afraid that your ideas are half cooked, that's not a bad thing. Because what you're doing is you're testing your concepts yourself before they come out your mouth. That's not a bad thing. I have been in meetings, I'm telling you, I have been in meetings where, and I'm thinking about a very specific meeting when I was a younger copywriter and there was this old senior copywriter who looked like then what I look like now, well, you know, with the, the gray beard and stuff like that. And he would, he would just sit there with his arms crossed while everyone else is throwing ideas out right and left. And half of them are terrible. Half of them are eh, maybe whatever. And then all of a sudden, after a couple hours of, quote, brainstorming, he'd open his mouth, say one phrase. Every head in the room would turn to him and go, Wow. That's brilliant. What I learned from him was stronger words are better than more words and or stronger conceptual ideas are better than just a plurality of words, you know, a multiplicity of words. And that taught me something, which was, you know what? I can be here. I can. All I have to do is, is listen and think and then keep my mouth shut until I have something worth saying. Mm. All you, yeah, well, and I'm sure mm. you've, you've seen it yourself, which is, you know, there's always that one person in the room who keeps their mouth shut the longest, and all of a sudden when it opens, everybody goes, yeah, I got to listen to more of that. Why don't you become that? How did they get there? And the answer is because they stopped listening to their internal self mm -hmm. that says you shouldn't be here. Instead said, I'm going to listen to all the smart people around me. I'm going to take those ideas, I'm going to combine them, remix them, and put my own spin on them, and then share this fully baked idea, Yeah. and everyone's going to eat it up like it's the delicious piece of brilliance that, that I just baked, because yeah, it was fully baked. And again, that comes out of your concept of develop selective hearing. Love that idea. Another one of your ideas, which I am a huge proponent of, is educate yourself. Mm. When you say you educate yourself, you mentioned that you're constantly reading. You're following people within your sphere of interest. And TED Talks, Netflix, what are your favorite outlets to continue educating yourself? Yeah, so I definitely believe in immersing myself in knowledge. And I think that was really critical in order for me to continue on the journey because all the tools that I have in my toolbox today that I'm using for other folks came through this education. And I think that is such a powerful mechanism to help support that developed selective hearing piece as well. Because what you know to be true, that you've been reading and hearing and you start to hear the same concepts over and over and over again, you now realize like somebody else is fibbing and you shouldn't really listen to that. It also counters a little bit of negativity, although I embrace that whenever it shows up. But I love YouTube. 
I'm always on YouTube following uh, any of the Wealth Builder channels, Earn Your Leisure. I'm a fan of Dave Ramsey, even though a lot of people uh, are pushing back on him recently for some of the comments he made. His book, Total Money Makeover, was the first financial book I read. Rich Dad, Poor Dad was another book, one of my first books that I ever read through. And just it was just very powerful to read it. It was just I was so excited to see these concepts and to have them written out in a way that was tangible for me. Uh, and so it's every day I have audiobooks that I'll play for uh, a few hours. I'm up every morning at 5 a.m. And that's what I'm doing. I'm immersing myself in some kind of knowledge around credit, uh, anything educational. If there's last night, I was on a seminar with a real estate guy. It was a free seminar masterclass. I'm going to join in and see what he has to say. So I'm always learning something from somewhere that will trigger something for me to say, oh, I can do this. Or, hey, I might need to change this. I think mistakes are where I get my most power. When problems show up is where I get the most power because it gives me an opportunity to research. Uh, and even when I make mistakes, it gives me the opportunity to research. Or when a door closes, I don't get upset anymore about that. I'm like, that door wasn't for me. And now that I have all this education, I know that somewhere along the line, something's going to show up that I need because I'm immersing myself and exposing myself constantly to it. So how can I not be successful with all the knowledge I have? I love one of the things you said about mistakes being an yeah. opportunity to to learn, you know, being the old dad that I am, one of the <laughs> things that I constantly pulled out for my daughters was a mistake is only a mistake if you've done nothing to correct it. Mm. And that correction comes in the form of education. And I love the fact that you're going to the University of YouTube, because <laughs> let me tell you, I learned a long time ago when my college age daughters were a lot younger. One day I was watching them and, and I'm one of those people who's very much a teach a person to fish rather than show them. It's like, no, go to Google. Let's look it up. I'll help you learn how to do it. But from now on, you go to the Google and you find out this stuff. And they wouldn't go to Google. They'd go to YouTube because they would much rather search for something and then watch a video about it. And it's now basically true. Entire generations view YouTube as a primary resource for research and education and entertainment and everything else. So, and I'm all for it. Like when I started this podcast, I didn't know how to podcast. Well, guess what? There is an app for that, or in this case, a website for that. It's called YouTube. And I happen to watch a Pat Flynn video that he created for Tim Ferriss on how to podcast via Apple GarageBand, how to edit and all that stuff. I'm like, Tim Ferriss, Pat Flynn, and Pat Flynn, by the way, do you think it was an SEO play to put Tim Ferriss's name in the title of the YouTube? Wow. Yeah, it was. But, but it was also Pat Flynn using a concept that I like to call fly with the flock you want to be in. Pat Flynn created this for Tim Ferriss. I don't know this to be true, but my supposition mm. is Pat Flynn said, you know what? I would like to get to know Tim Ferriss. I heard Tim on somebody's podcast wondering how to create a podcast. I'm going to do a video specifically for him. And so he did. And he got my attention and taught me via the University of YouTube how to do a podcast. It's amazing. We live in a golden age of entertainment, yes, but education. Because mm -hmm. as, as you said, you know, I, I think back when I was a kid, I had the benefit of a family. Both my parents have PhDs in sociology and, and all that stuff. So education was a given. But one of the things I had was access to periodicals like uh, magazines. 
We had Inc. magazine. We had Forbes. We had Money magazine in our house. And even as, an, as a kid, I'd pick one up and I'd, I'd read and not understand every, you know, maybe I understood every fifth word. But over time, you learn. And then you start teaching yourself, and you don't even know it, financial literacy. If you don't have those periodicals, those magazines, those opportunities to educate yourself, how are you supposed to know this stuff? Yeah. The answer is now you got YouTube. And even if you don't have a phone or access to the internet, libraries do, and it's all available. But what I hear you saying about specifically your area of focus, financial wellness coaching, is that there is the need for people to first understand they can come to you because you have been through it. You understand you've suffered what they are suffering and you've come out the other side and now you have something to share with them. Again, that I talked about it last week, but I just have to say it again. I, I, I just applaud you for doing that because you telling your story is going to empower so many different people to overcome their situations. But the other part of it, it's not just altruistic. The other part of it is it's now created a business for you that you will be able to build into an empire of some size. I mean, I'm guessing you may be a fan of someone like Susie Orman, who, yes. you know, if you know her story, what? She was a, a waitress who had no money, had no idea how you make money. And now she's a gazillionaire with a, an empire of her own. Yes. I mean, how does this happen? Well, it starts by acknowledging you have a problem. I mean, again, I, talk us very quickly through again. AODEC, A-O-D-E-C. What does that stand for? AODEC, acknowledge that you have a problem. Own your behaviors. Develop selective hearing. Educate yourself and celebrate you. You know, walk in healing. It's what it's about. It's about walking and healing. It's a mindset. It's a constant battle to tell yourself you belong, you're okay, you're worthy, you're deserved. Once you become exposed to the knowledge you need, you become accountable. What you're not exposed to, you're not accountable for. But once you do become exposed, you are accountable. And Ayodi touches on that. It's my story. It's my journey. It's your story and your journey, and it can be tied into you. Uh, in order to get you to move forward. And it's something you'll take with you as you take the journey through life and through financial wellness. I could not agree more, especially that that's a great place to end this episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. Celebrate you. Now, you, of course, have said celebrate your wins when it comes to financial wellness and things like that. I want to extend that kind of into the personal branding realm of what nonfiction brand, what this podcast is all about. And that is celebrate the experience you have. Celebrate the expertise you've developed. Celebrate the teams and mentors and professionals and examples and, you know, uh, the inspirational figures in your life. Own them as yours. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I did that project. I deserve some credit for that project. And I'm not going to be a jerk about it, but I will say, you know... Just so you know, I did this part of it and I'm proud of it. 
And the best way to do that, anyone who's listened to this podcast more than once knows I'm going to tell you it's via the most powerful channels of communication ever in the history of the world, social media. And they're all free. There are free levels. I mean, you're already paying for your phone, so you might as well use that to get on whatever your favorite social media channels are and go ahead and share it. For example, one of the people I work with came out with a really nice short form video and I helped them with it and all that stuff. I didn't do everything about that, but I was not afraid to share it under my name, giving credit to the people who were heavily involved because I understood I was giving them value in return. I wasn't taking full credit for it, but I was giving them some of the value of my extended network who might have eyeballs on this video that was created, making them look better. And one of my big uh, bumper stickers is, when you make someone look great, you look good. And <laughs> that you should never, ever be afraid to use your social media channels to make someone else look great which is why I am so pleased to be able to make Afra Smith look great because she's got a great story to tell, a great story to share, and a great growing business that is going to make a very effective change in so many different people's lives. Again, tell us what the name of your company is and who is the perfect person who should talk to you about what you do and what services you can provide. And my organization is The Melanin Project. And I am open to help anyone in need from all walks of life. I do specialize in working with Black women in the Black family, but I have an array of folks that I work with. And so anyone who needs service and needs support, welcome to come through my door. I hope you'll take up Afra's opportunity or her invitation to engage with her, because especially if you're interested in serving underserved communities, I think she is a great person to add to your network. And everything that you're doing... I think is brilliant. The biggest thing I want to underline and applaud you for is owning your story and sharing it openly, honestly, and in a way that motivates people who may be inspired or, you know, may see a little bit of themselves in your story to, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And I bet you if I get her to help, it's going to go a whole lot faster. And isn't that what a good personal brand does? It makes a promise. It implies services, and if you are truly aligned with who you are, what you do, and how you do it, they are going to succeed, and boy, are they going to be satisfied, and they are going to become, what I said last week, members of your unpaid sales team, because what's the most valuable form of marketing? Face-to-face -face evangelization and sharing and recommendation from friends who've used the product or service. One last question before we wrap up. If I were to ask you, how much money do you spend on acquiring new customers versus how many new customers come to you without you spending a cent? What's I'm that ratio? Yeah, I'm very frugal. I don't spend a lot on advertising, believe it or not, because the power of social media really helps me. And when I started my journey, I helped people for free. And I'm, I still do that to an aspect today. But again, I think you're right. I get... People referred to me because I did so much free work very early on uh, with seminars and things like that and free master classes. I get a lot of people coming into me because someone else engaged. So I don't spend a lot on advertising. I use the power of Facebook and Instagram 
and even LinkedIn to kind of drive drive traffic to my to my organization. Well, I, I don't want to quibble with your word choice too much, but I do want to point out you don't spend a lot. Yes, you do. You spend mm -hmm. a lot of your blood, sweat, tears, energy on doing it for free. If you don't have dollars, those things are valuable. You spending that's that amount true. of time to do that up front, that's the equivalent of spending $50,000 on paid advertising. If you don't have $50,000, you got to do it in the form of blood, sweat, and tears. And the, you said you did a lot of work. No, you demonstrated who you are, what you do, and how you do it over and over and over again. And that yeah. is the essence of nonfiction branding in the personal branding and small business space. The second you get tired of saying who you are, what you do, and how you do it, mm -hmm. just get ready to say it for another five years exactly the same way. Yeah. I am so happy to have you on the podcast. I am your host, DP Knuton, and she is... Afra Smith. And I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>